welcome. You've got mail. If there were awards to give out, texting would happen. Let's be honest. It is the number one text podcast in the United States and the world. My name is Seth Everett. He is Shelley Palmer. The idea that we are in these serious times and we are finding out things that we can do. And when I say we can do, you know, immediately people run to the Red Cross and they look for places they can donate. And that's the general public. But Shelly, one thing that I caught my eye was, I think we're all in agreement. And I, when I say we're all in agreement, it's the divided America. I think we're all in the agreement that I don't think we're escalating World War III anytime soon. I do not think troops are going to the U. Uh, troops are going to Ukraine um, to fight on behalf of Ukraine. I, I, I just don't see that happening. But a couple of times I heard commentators say this, and I thought of asking you. They said, "Well, wait, maybe we can hit them back with cyber." And I said, "Well, that's a very generic, broad term." And I thought to myself, that's the dirty pool that Russia does. That's not what we do. Are, well, can we stoop that low and try to hack Russia? Like, what are we trying to do here? What, what does that mean? Well, first of all, anyone who doesn't or who believes for a heartbeat that there isn't an active cyber war going on between superpowers clearly doesn't understand cyber warfare. Information is weaponized. And we have to define what we mean by cyber warfare. If by cyber warfare, you mean hacking into a system that launches nuclear weapons or going uh, hacking into a system that controls water supply or electricity uh, or command and control, doing some of that stuff you see in uh, action movies, versions of that are going on every day. But that's not really the most effective way that we use cyber warfare. The number one way cyber warfare happens in the world is weaponized information. I saw a really interesting data set the other day. And what it looked at, Seth, was the popularity of certain right-wing positions, extreme right-wing. I'm not talking about people who are conservative or who consider themselves Republican, who are normal people who, you know, want small government, low taxes and, right, and right, right. have conversation. We're talking extreme right wingers and the entertainment news that is uh, that feeds that group. The number of stories that were amplified on social since the sanctions began, the financial sanctions against Russia have dropped precipitously. And so much so that you could notice it in the sentiment stats on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok. You know, we monitor all of that for our clients, not for political reasons, oddly enough, for advertising reasons. Sure. It's called social listening posts or listening posts. We have these uh, bits of software running everywhere, constantly monitoring key phrases and keywords, and then looking for brand names and positive and negative sentiments as part of the various services that we subscribe to and as part of the work that we do ourselves, just dealing with information. Tucker Carlson falls out of the top 20. 
some of the right, a lot of the right wing, super right wing uh, news organizations, their main feeds fall out of the top 20. You're talking but OAN and Newsmax, right? If you look, and again, if you have the capacity to look at the sentiment engines and the volume and velocity of social media posts, positive and negative and neutral around political commentary, around brand commentary, it is absolutely instantly noticeable that once the funding for the bots and the funding for the campaigns that need to be paid for, the amplification that needs to be paid for was removed, there was a noticeable, palpable, instant difference. So that weaponized information, and you know, if you go back to Sun Tzu's Art of War, a book that seems timeless in many ways, and also in many ways seems very dated because we don't, we don't fight wars with horses and chariots anymore. We don't really fight conventional wars anymore. But one of the early chapters in Sun Tzu talks about the need to win the five things any general needs to be uh, successful in a campaign. And primarily uh, of, of the five that are obvious, the one that may stick out is that you need the will of the people. The people need to want you to win. Right. And that's, that is pure, pure propaganda and weaponized information and amplified social media is the modern tool for that. So we see a lot of weaponized information. We've seen a lot of weaponized information and the sanctions seem to have an impact. Now there's, there are workarounds and we will see it worked around and I'm sure it'll come back. It's just temporary. As far as real badass hacking, you know, hacking by hackers, neither you nor I, nor anyone else who isn't in the community is going to understand what's going on. And the reason for that is, uh, take any major bank. They don't want it to us. They don't right want time. us to know. No, but take any major bank. Any major bank is under attack thousands of times per second. And every once in a while, something works. And some account gets hacked and something gets done that shouldn't get done. You never hear about it. Why? Because no matter what it is, it's less expensive, safer, and better for the bank not to say a word about it and just make it go away because they don't want to run on the banks. They don't want to panic anyone. They don't want anyone for one millionth of one second thinking that your money isn't secure in a major bank in the United States. So you hear nothing ever. And in fact, until very recently, it was difficult for the United States government to understand when it was under attack because the way that a superpower or a nation state would attack the United States on a given day would be through our financial institutions, through the institutions that are privately held. And the United States Army isn't allowed to defend private companies. It defends the, the, the United States as a, as a physical place. We really don't have laws on the books that say that if Google gets attacked, the United States is going to defend them. Right. So Google would need to report and say, hi, U.S. government, we've, we've been hacked. But let me, they have, let me, they're let not me really interested right in there. doing that. No, no, but let me interrupt you right there. If Google cyber was attacked, we wouldn't defend them. If someone blew up a Google office, we would defend them. Just so that's a real, then that's a very important point. So, you know, the, the Chinese have a diesel powered aircraft carrier. And the story I hear all the time from my military friends is that if that aircraft carrier 
went from 201 miles off the coast of California to 199 miles off the coast of California, it would be vaporized instantly. Mm. But they could attack every business in Mountain View and Palo Alto and Silicon Valley. And we wouldn't do a thing. So it's so, we, you know, the, our, our policies haven't really caught up. Now, there's some, uh, to be fair and frank, there are some executive orders and there that have recently been signed even in in the trump administration too there are definitely been some changes and there are some bipartisan uh bills out, being contemplated about how we understand when we're under attack and there are consortiums and there are agreements and i don't want to make it sound as if no one's talking to anybody they are it, but it's not as cut and dried as if someone as you said bombed the Google offices and, right. and Mountain View, that that's an act of war, right? But it's on the soil of the United States. Someone sitting in a bunker in uh, one of the provinces in China or somewhere in, in Russia launches a cyber attack against private citizens or privately held company. Uh, yeah, nothing goes down. So it's, and, and you know, when you ask, do we do that kind of stuff? My answer is, you can't prove it and you can't, you can't prove it and you can't unprove right. it. Like it, you, you don't know. I hear all kinds of stuff, but they don't. And you shouldn't know. We shouldn't. That's right. All right. A um, couple of lighter uh, hits as we roll through. Like I said, we're not going to turn tech stream into the tech war. No. Um, I, I, I don't think that, but, but things are happening in real time. And I, I don't know how, if you are the type that stays away from politics, you, you know, you avoid cable news like the plague, whatever it is, I, I, you can't avoid, escape this stuff. I mean, it's constant in your feeds, in everything. And the stories are so heart wrenching and heartwarming at the same time. The whole thing is, is, is crazy. There was the one story uh, where a bunch of Russian soldiers say that 10 times fast. They tried to uh, overtake an office building. And the tech, the IT department of the office building was in the office at the time. And they shut down the elevator and trapped about 10 soldiers in the elevator. Love it. Love it. Love it. Oh, and there's a security camera and they took a picture and put it on social media. <laughs> and I that's, loved it. That's a great story, Seth. The problem is that for every one of those stories, there's a story where that's Russians right. shell an office building and people die. That's right. And this is an impossible situation. There's protocol that I understand. The Russian friend, people hate it. Oh, it's, you feel bad for them. It's, it's nothing anyway. about this is any good. And if it escalates, it's not going to be good for anyone. Uh, you know, we're hearing. And by the way, the reason we don't need to talk about anything other than how you can donate or how you can help the Ukrainian people at their time of need. And that is the only thing anyone should, and the Red Cross is the way you do that. There are, Ukraine Now is another group. Yep. Uh, you can subscribe to their Telegram at Ukraine Now and just watch the Telegram channel. It's available both in English and in, in Ukrainian, oddly enough. Um, you, we have no control. There's no. nothing you or I can do. There's nothing, I mean, unfortunately, there are, there are forces at play here that for obvious and, and very well understood reasons, are allowing the Russians to walk all over the Ukraine and people are just dying. And it yeah. is horrifying awful. to me. Awful. 
Um, but we can't, all we can do is, is, is donate and support and, and support, urge right. and urge our elected officials to debate this in a Socratic way and get to the right answer as quickly as possible. Um, meanwhile, if you listened to last episode of TechStream, you knew about uh, the uh, Crashgate 2022 uh, when my phone, uh, when I was away in Florida and my phone decided to stop working and I was uh, caught. I couldn't get a cab. I couldn't get anywhere. I couldn't, I didn't know my sister, my daughter's number, my mother-in-law's number, nothing. And uh, the, the, the crisis is, is officially over. And I say crisis tongue in cheek. Um, I got the new iPhone 13 Pro. Wow. Welcome and to I the will world. tell you that I was going to wait till the 14. Like that was wow. my idea. I had the really? 11. I had the 11 Pro. And I was just, I was going to skip this, this round. I was going to wait till next fall. And that's when I was going to upgrade. And, uh, but because of the instability of my other phone, I just got nervous. By the way, that other phone, eBay is my friend. Wow. There's like a bidding war going on for my old phone. It's nuts. It belonged to Seth Everett. That adds all kinds of collector value to the phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I signed it too. Um, the, the, so I have it and it's finally set up and it's my stuff and it's got all my numbers and my music and all those other things. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is other than functionality and the fact that it works. So for example, I had to pick my kid up from place and uh, somebody texted me the address. I want that map up right now. You know, whereas on my old phone, it took three seconds to load. I, I just I don't know what the, the massive difference. I haven't gone on any big photo spreads or anything like that. I, I just think the thing that that happens is phones and it's and it happens to Samsung also is after a couple of years, these things degenerate. And that you, you, the new phone, it's not about what the new phone can do. It's just the new phone can do what your old phone can't couldn't do anymore. Well, there are a couple of things. First of all, battery is everything in a phone and the batteries have a, a certain number of cycles that they can charge and discharge. And after that they degrade. So for anyone who, depending on the deal, if you can afford it, if you want your phone to your older phone to get a little bit of new life, it may and or may not be worth looking at the battery. That's thing one thing two, there is some planned obsolescence. And there is absolutely, there's absolutely a situation. There's absolutely a situation where incremental functionality over time increases increased capability, little better processor, a little more memory, a more efficiently used, better screen, better camera, faster electronics. When you any one of those things is not earth shattering, Seth, but you basically just said from a functionality perspective. You know, 5G radio is tuned a little bit better. The network topology of 5G is a little better. The phone can take advantage of the better camera that's in it. The, the size of the images uh, is less of an issue because you've got better throughput, because it can take advantage of better bandwidth, because it may have more efficient memory usage. So yeah, you're right. It doesn't do anything different. And there is a law of diminishing returns if, because you can't watch a movie any faster. Right. You can't talk on the phone any faster. You right. can't word, you're not going to text any faster. You're limited by how fast you can type with your thumbs. And so we're already at a point 
where for all intents and purposes, communication is instant. And whatever you're going to watch, you can consume at the speed you can watch or consume it. TikTok loads instantly. Facebook scrolls at 60 frames a second. Unless you're in a bad uh, coverage area, pretty much everything a modern device does from the 11 to the 13 is identical. What's not identical? The camera is not identical. Right. Uh, the one big thing 13 Pro has, the 11 Pro didn't have, is a bokeh effect on FaceTime video. So yeah. if you want to have the background naturally blurry, you can do that. It's portrait mode for video, basically. Uh, I think it's a big thing because it, 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 I think it's a big thing from an aesthetic perspective. Is it necessary? No. Is it a need to have? No. Is it a nice to have? Only for some people who even notice it. Right. So you're 100% right. The, by the way, an Apple II Plus <laughs> circa 1980 and a MacBook Pro circa 2022 do exactly the same thing. They word process, they give you access to spreadsheets. You can play games on them. You can put a database together and store the database and use it. Uh, there's email. You, uh, there's nothing it does differently. It just does it better. But from the way you construct a computer, the way you think about a computer hasn't changed. Right. In 42 years, what's right. about to change, you know, when we start to get our headsets, you know, our, our augmented reality, extended reality or mixed reality headsets or our eyeglasses where we see the world differently, where we have access to information that's contextual. This whole idea of the metaverse where we're going, where we're, we're combining physical and virtual worlds and we have data available to us we wouldn't ordinarily have, that changes the way we make decisions and the speed with which at which we make decisions. That will be a massive change. But your MacBook Pro today to your Apple II Plus of 1980 vintage, your iPhone 13 Pro versus your original iPhone. Your original iPhone had a camera. The 13 Pro has a better camera. Your original iPhone had the ability to play MP3 files. So does this one. You can play music. You can play video. Like The, the functionality is identical. It's just right. incrementally better, right? So, so yeah, the phones wear out or the screens crack or... You sit on them once too often or the batteries just cycle one extra cycle and it's just done. And it's, you can easily now skip every other upgrade. In fact, you can, as you did, you can probably skip every two and, yeah. and you won't even know. I would have, I, if, if my phone didn't crash and just the, the threat of it happening again, um, I just said, you know what? I, I can't, I can't wait. But my thought process was nation state hackers, Seth, you're a target. When they, when they announced the 13, my 11 was working fine. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? When they announced the 13, I was just like, okay. You know, Apple has a, uh, uh, another press conference uh, or presentation this week. March 8th, yeah. Yeah, and we'll probably talk about it next week on, on TechStream. But I love those things because I love the events of them. Yeah. But I don't now, in the, in the past, it was it, when they came out with the iPhone 4, I was just like, oh, my God, that is the greatest <laughs> thing. When does that come out? I want that. And now it's just like I still love the event and the pomp and circumstance of the whole thing. But I just think it, 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 it's just funny. Like what I what I'm thrilled about to have on this phone is I'm not worried that it's not going to start. At the end of the day, the March events are usually not the pro toys, right? It's right. not good. I don't think they're going to announce another MacBook Pro. There's a Mac 
Pro yeah, Studio this is coming. Be a Mac thing and PC. Well, yeah, like this is now. probably going to be an iPad and maybe the inexpensive yeah. phone like the iPhone SE. I mean, it, this is generally the March events are somewhat less amazing than the September event, which is always the new phone. So we'll, well see. Well, no, my favorite one is the WWDC, the Worldwide yeah, Development. That's when all the grown-ups. That's stuff when gets the shown iOS yep. comes uh -huh. out. That's the fun one. And yeah. what they're going to tell you is how the maps are better. I love that's my favorite thing in the press conference. The maps always. are better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, last thing, and I want to pre-call this on TechStream. I just want to state it for the record. It is one of the most polarizing pop culture debates that is going on. I'm just telling you right now, I am going to hate the Batman. <laughs> oh my goodness. I am going to hate <laughs> I, everything I have read, and I've read probably 15 reviews, eight negative, seven positive. It is polarizing to the extent of it is the division in our country. There are going to be people that love this movie and there are going to be people that can't stand this movie. And my fear before I see it is that I'm going to hate it. Wow. Yeah, that's those are those are big words. NBC our just, steam producer, Joey, he loved it, loved it NBC and just, won't come on Hall of Justice to debate it with me. Well, because, yeah, who could? Um, they canceled Ordinary Joe on NBC, the Matt Reeves uh, show. And I think he was spending an awful lot of time working on The Batman. And I think uh, you're right. It is very polarizing. I've not seen it. So I can't tell you whether it's a good movie or a bad movie or if I'm going to love it or if I'm going to hate it. But as you, my friends, are split down the middle. Split down the middle. Uh, Joey and I have had this conversation. But Joey... Joey tends to represent normal people with normal tastes who who are his age, who, you know, live in the world he lives in. And you're really old, Seth. And that's the problem. I mean, you just you're just really just old. not the target demo anymore. I think, you're, you know, you can't you can't really look at Batman movies and call yourself the target audience. I, on the other hand, <laughs> guy who saw the what? Mandalorian three times, but I'm not, it's not my demo. Got it. While 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 I might have a few years on you i am far younger at heart and more oh. tolerant i'm just saying <laughs> robert pattinson looks like the 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 world's greatest whiner and he looks very emo in all of it and i just i can't get over this i I'm for one be... second about the fact that every major motion picture that anyone has talked about in the last i don't know three years has either been franchise based or oh, comic yeah. book based. Oh, like, yeah. is no one making original, interesting movies? No, anymore? they're making them, but they're going straight to streaming services. There are great movies. Nomadland, remember, that came out during the pandemic. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, uh, Parasite was a great movie. There are yeah. great movies coming out. Yeah, but that's true. And I, I will debate, for example, being the Ricardos. I thought being the Ricardos was could have been much better. Yes, for it sure. It was very good, but it could have been much better. The, one of the, my favorite movies that I actually did a, an episode of Hall of Justice on was the movie Yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's the sci-fi movie where the guy, where, where like the power goes out in the whole world yes. and mm -hmm. he wakes up and he's the only guy that can remember the Beatles. Right. That's a great movie. It's one of, it's a great movie. It's an awful ending. That, that ending is horrific. Let's not and be a spoiler. insult to comic book movies all over. And there the the divide was if you were a diehard beatles fan you look right past that if you're a superhero nerd like i am 
you couldn't get past the, the, the ending. It's a fantastic movie with an awful ending. See, from my perspective, anything that's comic book based, anything that is that is leveraging that that audience you know you're going to always have a bifurcation between the purists and you know moviegoers it's funny we, west side story just made it to disney plus mm-hmm. and my wife and i uh we got the dvd for as a as judges in the sag awards and i didn't yeah, get a SAG chance awards. to look yep. at it we, we and and so but the other night we watched it now you know I love Leonard Bernstein and Stephen Sondheim in ways that only uh, a composer can love them. I love them uh, 500 ways to Sunday. And Stephen Sondheim, may he rest in peace, he just passed away uh, just before the movie premiered. Uh, He was part of the production. I watched this thing and then we watched, I watched parts of it again. Production value was absolutely extraordinary, but I wondered about it. I just wondered about the re, the rebuilding of something, and the and what occurred to me was I had seen the Broadway show, I saw the original movie, and now this movie. How poorly, even with the greatest director in the world, uh, you could argue Steven Spielberg is going to be in that group. I mean, he's he's definitely going to be in the top ten of anybody's list of directors from a output perspective. Can you really? Can you really take something from the stage and move it to a film and try to be true to the stage and not make a film? Like, and when you take a comic book and you try to make a movie, someone's going to be sad, right? So, because if you, you take a graphic novel and you try to move it to a television show or a movie, you, even if you try to make a book out of it, you novelize it, it someone's going to be concerned because it's just not, it wasn't what they brought to it when they saw it in its original sure. form factor. And so my my problem isn't that these are good or bad uses of stories. My 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 problem is that all I'm seeing in blockbuster land is I'm just not seeing original stuff. And I don't know how you'd even promote something completely original these days. Like I, unless you have an audience built in, and then you, every single time it's like the way they promote is they get someone who hates it, someone who loves it, and you see a hundred blog posts about blah, 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 canon, canon, this, this, story, story, canon, canon, this, this, it didn't work out. I was like, wow, it's, it's hard to, for me to get involved psychologically in people arguing about fic- fictional canons that are, you know, and, and storylines that were made up to begin with that came out of the mind of certain people. And then they're complaining that, you know, the dark saber is blah, blah. It's like, Mm -hmm. really? Stop it. Stop it. Oh, well, you know, uh, the child must have been this, or this is the way the chain mail from the best car is going to say, really? You're going to go then people making YouTube videos that are 15 minutes long about the chain mail best car uh, shirt that was uh, made for Grogu. Grogu. It's like, really? This is (laughs) we have. Yeah, but Luke, but Luke had to make the same choice. Yoda warned him in Empire Strikes Back that if he went to go save Han, he would never give, never, never become a Jedi. He became a Jedi. If you think Gro, young Grogu's only choice because he went to help the Mandalorian, you're kidding yourself. It's not an infinite thing. Oh my God, we're explain. having that debate too. Kill me now. <laughs> well, 
highlights. I loved it. <laughs> By I the way, I, so I am a, I'm a big fan. So, all right, I'll ask you a question while we're on the subject of, of everybody's favorite. The Batman's going to suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I gotcha. And do you think that Book of Boba Fett as Mando 2.5 is ever going to be like a good, a good, or do you think they're going to merge them? Or do you like, what do you no, think? Happens? I, I thought the show was disjointed. That was the best way to describe it. Uh, I'm not going to argue, you know, episode five through seven is Star Wars porn. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's a disjointed story the, the, between the flashbacks and the first four episodes. They're all over the place. I just thought the book of Boba Fett was trying to serve too many masters. And I thought that what happened as a result is even episode five, which is like the Mandalorian story was underserved because you would have loved to see all of those parts of it fleshed out more. And you would have loved to have seen the Luke uh, Yoda, baby Yoda situation more fleshed out and the Ahsoka part more fleshed out, but they shoehorned it into the book of Boba Fett. And they could only show you so much. I wish that, you know, any good comic book, if you if you read a good Batman story, Superman can show up. But you don't need to tell you in waste, you know, an issue and a half of what's happening in Superman's life. You could have had the Mandalorian just pop in and it would have had all the same luster because of the, the fanaticism and tell that Grogu story in season three of the Mandalorian. That's my criticism. And I think it's, a, it's just disjointed. It's not, it's still greatness. It's just, it's, it was all over the place and it didn't need to be. Well, by the next production cycle, deep fakes are going to be to a whole other level. So well, now, right. They're going to redo those episodes seven, eight, nine. Carrie Fisher's coming back. Harrison Ford's going to be in his prime. They're going to do all that stuff again because the success that they're having bringing Luke back, holy Manoli, you're going to see the book of Luke Skywalker. It's coming. Why not? Right. I mean, they'll, they'll recast. Mark Hamill and, didn't even voice any of it. Right. No, I'm. That's crazy. The technology is just ex exponentially better every every couple of weeks. It's well, then amazing. Then do me how... a favor. Then 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 bring Christopher Reeve back. Have him be Superman, and tell Rob Pattinson to go. You heard it here first. <laughs> we'll see you next week.